0: Welcome to She's a Ten Times Five. You got it. That's the big five-o. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics, real-life stories, and inspiring guests, join us on our journey of growth and laughter. Hey, I'm Lori, former Army Airborne Captain, but don't let that fool you. I'm the Loose Cannon. And I'm Lisa, a girl's girl who loves sugar. But watch out for that spice. Let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome back and or welcome if you're new to us to She's a 10 times 5. This is Lori. And we have a treat today. This goes to show that life... Gets in the way. Things happen. Shit happens. And we got to adapt and overcome. Lisa had an issue with her mom. And we have an amazing guest scheduled that I did not want to reschedule. So what did I do? I called my pal and superhero recurring guest host, Michelle. So we have Michelle Lesher at the table. So we got two blondes at the table. Thankfully, our guest is brunette because that that could have been like what? The perfect trifecta of awesomeness? Jeez. Hi, Michelle. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. I'm good. This is really fun. I'm sorry to hear that, you know, things are going on in Lisa's world, but this is such a good opportunity.
0: It is a great opportunity. And you know, you're good at this. You've done this a couple times oh, with us. It's nice. not like you're a, a podcast virgin. You're nice. Well, We're going to really pop your cherry today, though. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling. We got two <laughs> interviews today. So before we start and I introduce our amazing guest, um, I have to do a shout out. So one of the things that Lisa and I, um, have been really, really blessed to, as a silver lining with this podcast, to uh, see and to involve ourselves with, is all of the sisterhood that happens with it. All of these amazing women that reach out to us, that support us, and we're able to support them as well. Well, we were just featured in an amazing magazine called Ask Us Beauty. You saw that, right? I
1: did. I yeah, did great.
0: Ginny McCarthy on the mm-hmm. cover with purple hair. Mm-hmm. You got to get in that mm-hmm. issue. Well through that I read I, I Lisa and I poured through it cover to cover because it's got so many amazing articles about just fantastic women doing fantastic things and one of them was a gal Marcia and I've become friendly with her. And what she does, and I want to give a shout out to her gram because I want people to go in, lean in, and you can nominate someone. It doesn't have to be someone famous or someone accomplished, but if there's a woman in your life that you want to be recognized, this is the platform. It's Inspire Always. It is so great. She highlights about two to three women a week, and it's it's just really a great way to celebrate one another's. So if, if you want to go to her gram, it's Underscore inspire always. And Marcia is she's a ten times five, but she looks like she's 19. So we secretly wanna dislike her, but we can't because mm-hmm. she's she's so cute and nice. All right. Okay, we read her to roll. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. get down and dirty. Okay, so today, okay, so if you guys did not listen to the Cougar, that that episode has been a rocket ship. It's all about sex and kind of gnarly sex, right? <laughs> After the age of 50, when you're back on the market, well, today we're going to, we're going to talk about sex again. But in this case, I was, because if you know me, you know, I'm a hummingbird. I can't just sit and watch TV or whatever. I have to do like three things at once. I was on my phone and I was going through my Yahoo feed and I came across a write-up on this book called Open. And I, I, I clicked through and then I'm like, holy shit, Well, this is a great topic. And so I reached out to the author on the gram, and and so she's going to join us today. And we are going to talk about, how do you say that word again?
1: Polyamory. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Polyamory. Say that fast five times. Okay. We're going to talk about that, and I'm hoping that, because I think this is a fascinating topic, and it's a little provocative and controversial, so we're going to get into all that. But first, let me properly introduce... Our guests, because, I don't know, sometimes you get these guests and they're so educated and you kind of want to. But here we go. Uh, (laughs) Rachel Kranz, and she's up in Sacramento. So she's with us, Studio 50 via Zoom. Her book is called Open, and Uncensored Memoir of Love, Liberation, and Non-Monogamy. Rachel is a journalist and one of the founding editors of... (laughs) editors (laughs) (laughs) a bustle where she served as senior features editor for three years her work has been featured on npr the guardian vox vice and many other outlets she's a recipient of the robert f kennedy journalism award that's a good one the investigative reporters and editors radio award the edward r murrow award and okay get this the Peabody Award, for her work as an investigative reporter with YR Media. Welcome, welcome,
2: Rachel. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm glad you're here too. Okay, so we always like to start the the conversation with your story. And you're not a 10 times 5, but reading your book, you got some road behind you. So if you could (laughs) just kind of tell us about yourself and lead us up to how this whole evolution of open got started.
2: Sure. Um, So I was working as a editor at a website called bustle that I helped found in 2015 when I met a man named Adam, who is the relationship at the center of the book. And he told me on our second date um, before we even kissed, he said, I'm not monogamous. You should, know that if you were with me, you would still be free to date other people, fall in love with other people, so long as I was privileged um, and you were honest. And he said, you know, but I am looking for someone to share my life with, a uh, kind of, you know, partner that I, I have a long-term relationship with where they're part of my family. I just don't believe in restricting someone that way. And when he Said that, I was nervous, but I was also, I was 27 at the time and had been a serial monogamist and was kind of hoping I would grow out of it because I really didn't have any desire to stop falling in love or to never have new romantic experiences again. It was just that I felt like, well, I got to find the one, right? So that's the compromise you make. So this seemed like an option once we fall in love very quickly to potentially have it both ways. And the idea of the book happened unusually when I was about a year into the relationship and it was newly open on both sides, meaning he was able to date other people and I was feeling really jealous. And I started writing a few articles about jealousy, just kind of interviewing experts, trying to understand it as an emotion. And a agent approached me having seen them and said, you should write a book about this. And it should be like journalism and memoir about non-monogamy. And I said, sure, maybe someday. And, you know, of course, I've thought about writing a book someday, but I'm not an expert in this. I'm actually feeling like I'm quite bad at this. And she said, well, just start writing things down. Um, And I was already keeping a journal. So I started recording more with people's consent, including Adam's recording conversations, arguments. And as things became more and more unhealthy in that central dynamic, where there was more and more gaslighting, and he was telling me, no, you're remembering things wrong, or I didn't say that, or you're misinterpreting reality, you're letting your fear control you, that's not true, that I was like, all right, I guess I better have some sort of record so that if there's something like truth, because I no longer trusted my own judgment and this idea of a book one day was sort of this elaborate coping mechanism of even though I felt increasingly powerless and um, like I was losing my mind, that I had this imaginary project or beacon of hope of just like maybe one day I'll get out of this situation and make sense of this. Um, And in the meantime, that the recorder was sort of like a witness to a situation that I knew was very interesting and often, you know, not that I was being talked to in ways I shouldn't have been. And so the the recorder was sort of a witness to that.
0: Okay. So I I think the question for our listeners and we, what the hell is that? Like what, this whole relationship, and and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, when we say swing, is that the same as what is it again? (laughs) polyamory. Polyamory. Like because I I know a swinger. I like I and and I've never quite grappled with all of it, but walk us through that rabbit hole because I think, you know, for people that are in a monogamous relationship trying to understand what is that?
2: Yeah. Well, so non-monogamy would probably be the broadest term and that's anything but monogamy. So you might have on one end, you know, couples who just have a don't ask, don't tell policy, or who maybe uh, you know, only have threesomes together or certain types of freedom, anything but monogamy. And on the other far end, you would have polyamory, which is like multiple love relationships. Swingers are sort of more towards the middle in that they tend to only have one relationship and often try to separate sex and love um, and kind of view the outside experiences as something to usually be more contained um, or always shared. And obviously there's people who say they're swingers who practice in all kinds of ways, but that's that's generally the difference um, is that it's more kind of limited to parties or, yeah, just kind of strict containers and and where it's avoided that you'd be falling in love with other
1: people usually. Wow.
0: Okay. So in your book, you, your first experience was you guys, you and Adam went to, and you were in New York City at the time, right? Yeah. You guys went to this party, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to envision this. So you walk in and it was kind of a scene, so to speak. And then there's, there's people, there's little tents and then there's mattresses in another room. How did that make you feel? When you walked in, were you like, okay, this, it's on, this is rad. Or were you like, (laughs) oh my God.
2: I was kind of feeling both, I guess. And also just kind of amused, like an anthropologist, um, because, I'd never seen other people having sex who weren't you know me and so it was it was kind of less arousing than you would think and it was more just kind of obvious that we are primates and yeah um, I can, right and you just kind of watch it and and you know there's something about the performative aspect that I felt was so obvious and how the women were moaning or or kind of, I was I felt myself judging and being like, oh my God, I can tell he's not doing that good of a job. Like, why are you being like that? But that judgment was also probably because I had those same tendencies of you know, performing and and kind of um not faking it, but goading men on in that way or feeling pressure to prove you're really enjoying it. So yeah, it was just interesting to watch. And I guess I felt nervous, but also. Excited because before we went to the party, Adam had confided to me that his fantasy was seeing me with other men. And that had never occurred to me as like something. I knew that lots of men had a fantasy about threesomes with other women, but I didn't know at the time that either cuckolding or hot wifing, as it's known, is one of the most popular male fantasies. It consistently ranks at the top of like. Uh, you know, porn websites. And, you know, for some men, it's about... Can, can you being, explain what that yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. So for some men, it's about being with other men, but usually with cuckolding, it's about kind of feeling powerless and watching your partner with another man. There might be some degree of humiliation. And that's that's the term that's more commonly known, but it's actually probably less likely of a fantasy than hot wifing, which is what Adam was into, which is where you enjoy a th- a threesome where you're not touching the other man really, but it's all the attention is focused on the woman increasing her pleasure and that there's sort of this like competitive vibe to it. And afterwards, the man kind of reclaiming you as his. Um, and I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun and exciting and like a real I don't know, just like a lot of attention and and not challenging for the ego at all, like quite the opposite. So I guess that was exciting to me that that could happen at the party potentially, but I'd never really had casual sex before and wasn't sure I would like that. And I was a little nervous about just the hygiene of jumping into bed with random people, um, even though the there were condoms in every corner and people use them religiously. I knew there's other things you can get that condoms don't protect from. So I was kind of nervous about that too.
0: Okay. Well, so that leads me to this. So, you, you know, and again, Michelle hasn't read the book, so she's kind of, you know, okay. So you go through that, you you start to get indoctrinated into this new world of, of an open somewhat relationship. And then you guys start seeing people outside of your your coupled hood or <laughs> I don't even know what I'm trying to say but you start you start going and you see other people and and you're intimate with them and, and then he starts going out separately from you is that where it starts to unfold or how, how did because it because it did it did start to unravel right you and Adam you know and the jealousies and all these things start to kind of occur mm-hmm. walk me through that because I think and then that's going to lead you know Michelle, to ask a couple questions about intimacy, but kind of explain the evolution of what you and Adam went through and where where it started to kind of get not great.
2: Yeah, well, so once I um, had had some of these experiences, I met someone who I started seeing on my own, not super seriously, but um, casually, but I, I felt like it was unfair that Adam didn't have any of these freedoms when I did. And I had also seen how the experiences I had, had with other people only sort of reaffirmed my attraction and commitment to him. And so I sort of wanted to give that to him back, knowing he would also require it. Eventually there was this sense of, okay, I better find out like if I can do this. And then the jealousy really started, um, which I found very humbling and also interesting just as a journalist of like what is happening because i'd never thought of myself as a jealous person but the physical fight or flight response i was having was extremely intense and i think from there you know that was not in itself what caused the relationship to unravel those tendencies and red flags uh, were already there and i think would have happened anyway but it certainly exacerbated any unhealthy behaviors because I was, you know, feeling quite anxious and insecure and that led him to be often more dismissive of, of me and my feelings. And it fueled this really not so good cycle eventually where we were kind of triggering each other's worst sides.
1: And you're dating during this, not living together. Oh, right are you living oh together? we were living together okay. yeah
2: and that was one thing that was also i guess in retrospect a red flag he encouraged me to move in within a few weeks mm-hmm. which is kind of a common thing that happens in sometimes unhealthy dynamics of where they they talk a lot in the beginning about rescuing you possessing you and want you to be as close as possible and it's this really intense rewarding experience of falling in love And in that case, also that he was incredibly dominant. So it was also not just my first non monogamous relationship, but also my first kind of dom sub dynamic. Only the issue was he didn't believe in BDSM. And so there was no way to talk about it or have rules or boundaries. And so a lot of the book is also about you know, kind of a cautionary tale of what can happen when you explore some of those 50 shades fantasies, but you don't have any real conversations around um, how to do that in a healthy way.
1: Yeah. That was one of my next questions was just about the conversation. So is the communication between the two of you just 100% open? Like if you're going to go see someone else or be with someone else, do you talk about it with him before? Does he talk about it with you before he goes off to be with someone? Is that kind of what brings up some of the jealous emotions.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In our case, that was the agreement of, you know, you tell the other person when you've met someone else or you're going on a date, certainly before you're going to become sexually active with someone else. Every couple has different agreements. Some people find it's better for them that they really don't have a problem with it, but they just don't want to know. Like that that's what feels good to them. Some people want to hear everything, you know, every detail really turns them on or gives them a sense of control or whatever else it is. I was sort of more in the middle where it's like, yeah, I wanted to know if he was out with someone or became sexually active with someone, but I didn't want to know a lot of details. Yeah.
1: And was it difficult, like when you came home after being with someone else and you came home, did he want to hear about it? Did you not discuss it? Like how... How did that conversation go? Like when you walk in the door after being yeah. with someone else, what? Yeah, the smelling of and- sex, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> for
2: him, he did want to hear about it, and and what's more than that, that was sort of part of his kink. That was that turned him on. He liked this idea that he would have to compete to keep me. That there were other men who were after me, and desiring me. I'm bisexual, so I also had experience with other women, but that didn't do it for him in the same way. It was really only with other men that he
1: wanted to hear about that and and got excited by it. So part of his satisfaction was you being with someone and then coming back home to him. Yes, exactly. That was a big big deal for him. Well, that
0: leads me to this question. What it sounds like, and and I've read this also, is men, especially in these types of relationships, aren't they... Kind of the like it's the it's an alpha control in a way to manipulate as well. Like there's a personality type that can happen in this type of relationship where this is their way to kind of work their significant other in a way that's beneficial for them, but not always healthy for their partner. Would you? Yeah, I think that
2: can certainly happen in this dynamic. It's fertile ground for that. But I also think that can happen in monogamy and certainly does. We see oh, yeah. abusive relationships 101 is like, um, why are you wearing that? Why were you talking to other men? You know, so monogamy is certainly used to control women in similar ways, too. It's unfortunately, whenever you have relationships, you're going to have every sort of outcome, and there's going to be people who exploit the dynamic as a means to control. I don't think it's any more inherently likely to result in those things than monogamy is. And in fact, there's much more of a history of monogamy doing that or double standards around the men are allowed to do other things, but the women are controlled by not being allowed to have the same freedoms. But yeah, sure, that was part of why I wanted to tell my story, because there's a hesitance in non-monogamous communities sometimes to talk about how that expresses itself in these dynamics in particular ways because there's so much stigma around it as it is and so much judgment that people don't want to confirm negative stereotypes in the same way that gay people have often had a fear of talking about when abuse happens in their relationships and want to just show the best outcomes because they were just trying to be recognized as even a valid way to live and so it's kind of a similar thing but i think Talking about the ways it can go wrong is important as well for people to be able to empathize with it and see it as actually not so different in some ways because it's just human beings who are flawed. And also for the people who are in that situation that they don't feel further isolated of like, I'm not allowed to talk about this because I'm going to make the community look bad and then they end up in a worse situation too.
0: Again, I mentioned that I've I've known someone that's been in a kind of an open relationship and dishonesty. Do you feel like if you kind of go down the path of doing this, do you do you feel like you can truly be honest with your friends, your family or do you feel like there's this al- almost this other persona that gets manifested in your relationship that you just kind of don't talk about or you you kind of stuff it away? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think that many non-monogamous people I know are are radically honest in their relationships. If if they're doing it well, they have to be right. And there's not as much. But I'm talking about external
0: relationships, like friendships and family members. Yeah.
2: So in my case, I'm lucky that I'm able to be out about this and not worry about losing my children because I don't have any, not worried about losing my job because I've made it my job to talk about these things. But, you know, almost every non-monogamous person I talked to in the book was afraid to use their real first name, let alone their last, because there are no civil protections and you could potentially get fired from your job or lose custody of your children if the grandparents want to sue. there's a lot of stigma. And so I think that does lead to a lot of distress. I mean, we know from decades of research on queer people, the psychological effects of being closeted result in higher rates of suicide, depression, poor relationship outcomes. So I think you see the similar thing of anyone who has to hide that they're not monogamous or hide that they're maybe in a kinky relationship or some other type of non-normative relationship. Yeah. But I don't think certainly that there's anything like a type of more dishonest person who's drawn to this. In fact, I think it's often people who are willing to be quite honest and and don't want to stuff parts of themselves away and not talk about you know, the reality of their desires um, in the way that sometimes when you're In a monogamous relationship, you kind of have to squash those sides of yourself down, or just not not talk about it when they arise, because you're you don't want to look like you know like you're trying to be with other people.
1: Yeah, that's a really good perspective. Yeah, it's interesting because just a, a couple minutes ago you talked about kind of the judgment that goes along with it, and the community that gets judged, and then. You know, the t- what you brought up, Lori, about the outsiders and the other people in your lives, what they're thinking and wondering and how much they know, like you you may be hesitant to introduce someone to a parent and get a lot of questions and who are these people? So yeah, it's complex. It is mm-hmm. It is complex. Okay. So Michelle and
0: I have both been married maybe way too long. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why we're so fascinated with the book. Yes. But intimacy and we had a guest on and she had a really she, she she went anonymous because she's a professional, but she talked about sex after her marriage dissolved and now she's midlife. And it, it was kind of crazy, like not crazy, but it was it was one of the questions we asked her is God, this intimacy, because I'll just give you my perspective. If I'm gonna be physical with someone, I mean look, if I see a hot guy in an elevator. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I want to just have sex and then, uh, you know, okay. But by and large, if I'm going to have continued intimate relationships, I want to have that emotional connection. And I asked her that and she, you know, she of course didn't have that need. When you go down this path, two things. One is, do you ever feel like you need that to have? Okay. And then secondly, are you ever at any point worried that if you have an outside relationship, what if you fall in love? What if you start to get those f- emotional connection feelings?
2: Yeah. Well, for me, I did learn pretty quickly that it wasn't very interesting to me to have casual sex. Like it was, you know, interesting at first to have these novel experiences. But once the novelty wore off, it was kind of back to the way I've always been, which is that I like being in relationship and I like falling in love. And I'd never really been into casual sex when I was monogamous either. And for me, you know, it is possible to love more than one person at once. And that's not to say it's never confusing or hard to compartmentalize. But ideally, when it's working best, you just feel like you love more than one person and have different sides of yourself fulfilled and you know that one person doesn't have to meet all your needs like if one person's busy you can text the other one and and whatever um you have just more support the same way you have more than one friend or often more than one parent or or whatever else
0: Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) having your cake and eat it too i guess right well okay sometimes so so I just here's a question, and and again, I hope I'm not coming across as judging. I'm just I'm just trying to learn. I, I think that if my husband saw, I mean, God, I think he would rather me be with a woman, quite honestly, from a macho standpoint. But I think if he saw me intimate, like as that voyeur, because there's a lot of that that happened at these parties and when you're you're swapping and whatnot. I don't think he would be able to put it past him. I think it'd be a recurring thing. Like if we started to have sex, it would be like, well, are you thinking about John? Are you thinking about Paul? Or and not in a turn on way, but a jealousy way. How, is there a certain personality type that you have to be in order to have this healthy type of environment? I
2: mean, it's certainly easier if you're someone like Adam where it's like that's immediately exciting to you as an idea. But a lot of people, there's a sort of adjustment or fleetingness to jealousy, of where it, the pain of it turns into an intensified pleasure. You know, jealousy activates the amygdala, which is the same part of the brain related to sexual excitement. So, you know, these things are linked. And I also just think, you know, in terms of, with your husband or people in general listening, you never know about these things until you have conversations around them. And I think it can be really fun to even just have a conversation about it as a hypothetical, as an imaginary fantasy thing, like, I'm in no way doing this, but just to find out more about the inner life of your partner or things you might like to talk about in bed that would spice things up. I think that also, you know, a lot of women would be surprised who are with men that it is such a common fantasy for men to see their partners with other women, I mean, with other men, sorry. So, I mean, like this is a very, the top categories of porn don't lie, right? So it's it's obviously there's a lot of people clicking on that. Now, that doesn't mean they would want it in reality, but it also but it excites means that, them, yeah. yeah, but it also does mean that potentially a lot of women are unknowingly in a situation where maybe they're thinking, yeah, I'm, I wish I could have some novelty or someday kiss someone else again or have sex with someone else again, but I don't want to have to deal with jealousy and I don't want to see my man with another woman, but that if they talk to him about it and said, are you by any chance turned on by the idea of seeing me with another man? And what if he says yes and that's all you do and you don't have to deal with jealousy at all and you both get more fun out of it and you both get to have your cake and eat it too. So yeah, I mean, I think just having those conversations, you might be very surprised what you find out.
1: Have you ever been in a situation where you were with another person and that other person got way more attracted to you than you were to them? Like, you know, you were spending time with another person and that was kind of, outside of your relationship with Adam and it was not supposed to become more of a relationship, but maybe they got way more into you than you were. They saw you as more important. Mm-hmm.
0: They, they started to get maybe more like emotionally attached yeah, or emotionally
1: attached. Possessive. Maybe you weren't looking at them in that way. Yeah. I mean,
2: I found the reverse happened more where I would start to get attached and The people, you know, mostly this happened with men would have already put me in a box sort of like she I'm just having fun with her because she already has someone at home Mm. Um, and where there's kind of the wall up of even though they really enjoyed me and probably would have wanted to date me seriously if I had been single, that they didn't want to let themselves go there emotionally because they felt like I was already spoken for, or just felt like that wouldn't be a good long-term situation for them. So yeah, I've more often encountered the reverse of that. Mm, Gotcha.
0: Okay. Next question. Boundaries. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I tried to, I tried to become the expert here. So a lot of people that kind of engage in this world of
1: Polyamory or non-monogamous? <laughs> non-monogamous.
0: <laughs> Rachel, I'm gonna get it at some point. <laughs> Watch out. There are closed kind of circles, like you're in a closed, like where there's maybe like six people, eight people, and you do not go outside. You're committed to that circle. And mm-hmm. then there's just it's open. And I, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if, let's say, Michelle and her husband were you know kind of in a non-monogamous relationship when does it become like okay you you committed a party foul meaning it like i'm across the boundary? Yeah, like, like i'm a, in Cabo on a girl's trip and my cabana boy is smoking hot and i have had a little bit too many spicy margaritas and i you know and we end up sleeping together and i come home and then my husband's like well that's how could you do that and i'm like well get god you know that's what we do I mean, where does it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's why it's so important to have
2: communication around what are your boundaries, what is your agreement for the relationship, what are the rules? Um, if that's the way you prefer thinking about it. And then to really be committed to not breaking those boundaries or agreements until you have a chance to bring up that maybe you would want to um at a not kind of like Last minute time of like, you're just calling the person, be like, hey, is this okay? You know, um, but also knowing that mistakes could potentially happen, that you're also committed to if you make a mistake, um, like you've been somewhat open, gone to parties together, but now you had that experience at, at Cabo on your own because you got drunk, that you would ideally call him right afterwards and say, look, this happened. I'm really sorry that I broke our agreement. I'm committed to not doing that again. Let them have their reaction to that and ask them, you know, what do you need now to feel safe again now that I've broken that trust? Do we need to pause this, step it back, you know, have conversations about changing our agreement so that you have the same freedoms, but really not like hiding it when you mess up. That's really the difference in, um, not ethical, non-monogamous relationships is that you're committed to just telling the truth and not hiding things. Whereas if you were monogamous, you know, cheating is quite common and you would be hiding, hiding that is really different than talking about it.
0: Gotcha.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I'm going to go back to, you kind of touched on the kids. So, and again, I think it's, you know, it's all, like what I guess I'm really struggling with Rachel is, is how open and honest and authentic can you be in this day and age with social media and, you know, cause you're kind of breaking the moral constructs or the, you're, you're taking our paradigm, our normal traditional paradigm, and you're kind of flipping it on his head, which I love <laughs> and challenging us to think about things different, but you know, I'm just curious as you know you're in a relationship now and I don't know if you've ever planned to have children. How do you how does it work when you have a family?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean for me I'm not planning to have children at this point or probably ever. Who knows? I'm agnostic about the future, but you know, I'm 34 and I don't have any plans right now so it seems to be heading in a certain direction. Um but I do know people who are parents uh, and very happily non-monogamous long-term marriages, pretty traditional looking from the outside. Many of them are not, they're not out about it or they're out about it within their community, right? So if they're swingers, then they have an extended network of friends and they might post pictures together of going on vacations and on social media, but they don't Say that it's at a swingers resort, or they don't say, "Hey, these are my swinger friends." It's just, right, uh, yeah, kind of closeted uh, aspect of the lifestyle, which is understandable. And and then I also know people who are honest with their kids about it and say, you know, mommy has a another special friend, and maybe the they know that other partner if they're very serious. Maybe they don't. Maybe they feel like it's not appropriate for the kid to know, but mom just goes out of town once a month or something. And I think that, you know, it's, again, it all depends on the people and their dynamic, but if it's a healthy one and the parents are not um, even more stretched for time because of it, but instead more fulfilled and present in their lives and, and happier in their relationship together, then I think it could potentially be a great thing for kids because they get to witness, you know, parents who feel happy and and free or, you know, different visions of what life is allowed to look like.
0: Yeah. Well it's interesting as I was reading this, I the common adage I always say, and you know, especially since everything is fucking politicized so much these days, but I don't really care what the hell you do in your bedroom. Like what you do in your bedroom is what you do in your bedroom. Like it's none of anyone's really business. I mean, sex still to this day is an intimate act and it's a personal choice and act right but for some reason I don't think so we you know we're, we're much more acceptant of same-sex relationships and sex and but this one is kind of I you know this one is kind of different and, and hard for a lot of people to get their head around would you not agree Michelle I mean this is something that I think we all look at and, and it's we're very curious about but then you know our, our minds go to you know god these parties and people are watching and Mm -hmm. So how do you, what are you hoping open will do? Are you hoping that your story and this book will kind of enlighten people to think differently about this lifestyle?
2: Well, somewhat. Yeah. I, I think also when, when you talk about, we have more acceptance of queer people, you know, in this country anyway, that that's pretty recent that's within our lifetime. Right. And it's, um, and it's also within our lifetime that um, majority of people are newly comfortable being out about it. And it's it's really not that different if you look at our uh, parents or grandparents' generation, that it would have been hidden in the same way, closeted, that people would fear losing their job or children or seen as sexually deviant or corrupt. Um, so I think we're just seeing that it's, it's at a... More nascent stage of people just beginning to be more out about it and just beginning to say, hey, like we should have some sort of rights. This should be allowed to be a way to be. It doesn't mean all these negative stereotypes. So, yeah, I hope that this book, you know, helps with that so that more it, you know, expands people's potential empathy and understanding and compassion and, and, that they might be less judgmental. I also think I hope it helps the reader feel less shame around their own inner lives and desires. And it's really not advocating for non-monogamy over monogamy. It's just really talking about really more advocating for honesty. And I think you see in the book examples of monogamous people who are dishonest and non-monogamous people who are dishonest and and vice versa. So, yeah, I, I also hope that well, the book is also very much about emotional abuse and chronicling the way that unfolds, and so I think a lot of people will see themselves in that story, and hopefully from all the psychologists I have commenting throughout and the different ideas for resources I give, that they'll feel less alone in that experience, or maybe if they're still in that situation, validated in their feelings as, you know, that something's not right. That's going on because emotional abuse is very confusing. It's your part of one of the main things is you're constantly told it's all in your head and that you're just imagining it, or you're being too sensitive. And there's no physical bruises usually, although it can often, you know, overlap. And so you just feel like, oh, well I shouldn't be complaining, right? It's not like, I'm not getting hit or something, but it can be incredibly, psychologically destructive and destructive to your mental and physical health. And you see all that unfolding for me. Um, and you also see me emerging and, and sort of a pathway of certain things that have helped me come back to a trust in my own abilities and, and mind after I really lost that.
0: Well, I I love the how you brought in, you know, the the psychological aspects of it. I thought that was really a powerful way to kind of weave in just what you said. I I guess I guess my thought process and what I'm walking away from is, you know, physical, like the sex and the emotional we're all very complex, right? So, you know, it really is hard to put anything in a cylinder or a lane. And, you know, we all use that adage, you know, stay in your lane. And I I fucking hate that because, no, don't tell me what my lane is. Like, they don't say that on the highway, right? They just ask you to politely turn on your blinker and not cut someone off in the process of changing lanes, right? So I think that's what I'm going to take away from it is to try to think open. And because I do think we are emotionally, physically, spiritually very complex Beings,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. And whatever your beliefs are and your wishes and your fantasies and you know, commonalities, you you want to know people and be close to people that share those same ideas, thoughts. Yeah. And so that feels good no matter what the feeling or the idea or fantasy is. Like it's just nice to be able to have a community.
0: Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Maybe. Where can people find you and your book?
2: Yeah, thanks. Um, well, you can find open wherever books are sold online or your local bookstore. Just request it if they don't have it in stock. And I also have an audiobook version if you like those. I narrated it, so that's fun. And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rachel Krantz. My handle is just my name, um, Rachel Krantz.
0: And and Krantz has a T, correct? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's K-R-A-N-T-Z, just because most people will think it's Krantz. Okay, you ready to be put in the hot seat? Sure, yeah. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I saw this on your gram. You had something going on where like if you get the book, you get a vibrator?
2: Oh, uh, certain influencers, yeah, were sent vibrators with the the book. We partnered with a, a couple brands to do that.
0: Okay. Well, like, before we go into the hot seat, I, our previous guest has sworn up and down by the womanizer. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a a favorite. (laughs) Yes, definitely. One of my go-tos. My other one is, um, there's actually a sweepstakes that they're running my publisher till where you can win a copy of open and also different Lilo toys. And one of my favorites is in there. It's this little one called, uh Nia too and it's really excellent for use during penetrative sex where you can hold it and it won't get in the way in a variety of positions and can be quite good for helping with orgasm
0: during during sex. Can you mm-hmm. rig the sweepstakes for Michelle and I <laughs> I think right? I think we you know we're old. <laughs> we need we need help. Okay, all right. So I um I do this every episode, and I I like to tie it back to the topic. So what I thought would be fun is I googled some really amazingly interesting deal breakers in relationships. But instead of saying yes, it's a deal breaker, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to be really kitschy and cheeky here. You're going to say open or shut. So I'm going to read a deal breaker and you say, no, that's not one. It's open. And if it is a deal breaker for you, it should. All right. Okay. All right. I love it. Do do you like how I'm doing that? Tying it back to the book title, the whole. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. They have an inspirational quote in their email signature. Open or shut? (laughs) Open if I like it. Okay. (laughs) All right. I think I'm shut. You, that's <laughs> I'm shut. Okay. You find out that they leave their festival wristbands on for months. Open Ooh. or shut?
2: I mean, if the person's hot enough, open, I guess. Okay. But, yeah, it's definitely not, it's not great. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a, that's a young person issue, right? Unless oh it's stagecoach, <laughs> you know. Or the Cabo
1: pool guy you were talking about earlier. Oh yeah, the Cabo <laughs> pool guy. Okay.
0: <laughs> and I, I've seen this, so I, I had to chuckle when I wrote this one down. They clap when their plane lands. Open or shut? Oh, uh, open. open. I think that's
2: sweet. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people in other countries do that.
0: Yes. Okay. I think I think that would be endearing too. Yeah. Um, they consistently make TikToks and Reels. Uh, uh,
2: I yeah. guess if they're good, it can be open. Yeah. I can't really talk about your social very, media these days. You're
0: very, you're very open. Well, it's it, so the title of the book. <laughs> I am shut on that one. Like, yeah. especially if it's a male. I don't want to be seeing your TikToks, right? <laughs> well, was just a sidebar real quick. We we it was my 50th birthday and we went downtown and, and got kind of, you know,
1: through axes and had too much. Yeah, shots. we were polished pretty well.
0: <laughs> and someone ambushed us, a, a, a vlogger. And they're like, can we ask you questions? And we're like, sure, because why not? Right. And one of the questions they asked was, is five inches enough? (laughs) And then we're like, you know, we had funny responses, all of us moms. And so then the next day we're like, oh, my God, what did we do? Who was that vlogger? And we we can't think of his name. We don't know. And like, let's just hope it goes away. (laughs) And it did, Rachel. For a while. Until like. Three, four no, like five it was, months. It was like six months. But yeah. six months later, my son comes down in a state of manic. And he's like, I can't believe you. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And he's like, You're on TikTok. And then you know when you feel like you just might vomit? Because you're like, you have no idea. Cause I didn't have a TikTok account. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? And then I didn't notice that we everyone had been texting one another. So this thing went, it it trended in a major way. Oh God. And uh all the high school kids were like forwarding it around. It had like, I don't even know.
1: It was like featured. like It was featured. It was on you. the For You
0: page. And like, so all of the, like 87 forwards across our our kids. Com- it was awful. Oh, okay. No. So that's why I'm shut. <laughs> that's why I'm shut. Okay. They use Snapchat. You're young, so maybe it's okay.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's like, are you obsessed with it? Are you using it in an interesting, good way or not? Depends. Okay. So.
0: But they open, I guess. Open, of course. They put thirty <laughs> hashtags on their personal posts. Oh, come on, work with me. I
2: open. I'm I'm guilty of doing that now
0: for discoverability. So, well, that's different. <laughs> right. You're building a brand, right? Right. Yeah. They drink a glass of milk each day.
2: Uh, if it's vegan, open. Oh if God.
0: if not, shut. <laughs> okay. This is your final opportunity to shut it down. (laughs) And I I know I got you on this one. Their favorite movie of all time is Grown Ups 2. Oh, yeah. Shut I guess. Shut it, I don't know that movie, but... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, thank you so, so very much. We are going to end on a little song. You don't have to sing this with us, but I think you'll chuckle. And make sure you check out Rachel Krantz. Um, She has some really interesting stuff on her gram and it's with a T, not just a Z and her book open. I poured through it in four hours.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to read it. It's great.
0: It's fabulous. And kudos to you for going there. I love when people like just put it out there, baby. So here we go. We're going to do a little bit and you probably don't know Barry White. (laughs) No, I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, You've sure. Got that voice. Okay, so Michelle, are you ready to jam yeah, I'm with ready. me? Yep, yep. Okay, all right, here we go. Yeah. Okay, you feeling it? You, you and me. You so many things I can do, do to you, and so many ways I can please. You want to join in? Hey, hey, hey. I don't
2: know the words to this one. <laughs> You'll
0: move, move girl. girl. I don't to stop turning down the lights and show me just just what you can can do. Okay, here we go. I've had my (laughs) share of lovers. Some of them were damn good. But But if if you you think think you you can can turn me out, girl, girl, I I just wish that you would. would. Okay. All right. I think we got everyone in the mood for open, right? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel, so much. Was this like the funnest interview you've ever had on the book tour? This is definitely
2: up there for sure. (laughs) All right. All
0: right. So give her a follow and we thank you so much for your time. And thank you. I look forward to your next book, babe.
1: Yeah. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. Bye.
1: Bye. Follow us on Instagram at she's a 10 times five. Click on the link in our bio to listen. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe.